Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Semi-Soccer Experts Podcast, also known as the C Podcast. All right, Adrian, what episode are we on? 31, my friend. We're 31 episodes strong. Uh, I can't think of anything special about 31, but I can think about something special about 30. You know what it is? What? Liverpool, after 30 years, become <laughs> champions of England. For the first uh, hell, has hell frozen over? Well, it is 2020. Hell has pretty much frozen over. Coronavirus, fucking everything is going to the shitter. <laughs> like Liverpool so, finally win their title. Yeah, Liverpool win the title after uh, beating Manchester City at uh, Stamford Bridge. Chelsea beat Manchester City at Stamford Bridge 2-1. to one. Uh, one of the goals was scored by Christian Pulisic. Yeah, Captain America, even though he didn't do us any favors. <laughs> There's a funny conspiracy theory going on that uh, it all started when Klopp and Pulisic worked together. At, uh, oh, at Dortmund. Oh, yeah. He was, was Pulisic there at the time? Yeah, Pulisic was there. They had some... Uh, so he was like 16, 17. He was like very young. Yeah, he 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 was he must have been young. There was a pit. The, that's what I thought too. But there's a picture going around there of Pulisic and him together. So, oh, so that's a conspiracy that he's a secret agent that that was sent to Chelsea to you know beat Manchester City in order for them to get the title. Yep, and the other. Um, the other meme going around the internet is that uh, Frank Lampard has won more uh, trophies than Gerard. Liverpool than Steven Gerrard. Steven Gerrard. <laughs> but overall, um, as much as it pains me to say this, um, it's it is it's long overdue for Liverpool to win the title. You know, you can tell for the last two three years they've been very dominant in the Premier League. This is me talking non-biased and. You know, it it sucks because, you know, Fergie was famously saying that, you know, what he did at Manchester United is knock Liverpool off their fucking perch. Exactly. And that was that was a thing. <laughs> you know, Liverpool weren't a third. Granted, they did win a Champions League around like 05 against AC Milan, your buddies. And, you know, it, they didn't win any, any leagues. You know, they were close back, I think, in 09 and then like t- 2015 with Slippy G. The Steven Gerrard slip, right. Yeah. And with that, you know, they, they could taste it. And then last year they lost, I think, I think goal difference or something like that. They lost, they lost on goal difference, yes. They lost yeah, on- so they lost on goal difference. So, you know, as a realist, it was bound to happen. And, you know, with Manchester United, we're not there yet. You know, we um, – I say with the players, what they should do, you know, take, take all this in, see how they celebrate, and use that energy – you know, to drive yourselves and get up there and, you know, win win the league because it's been a long, almost a long time for us, almost 10 years since we last won the league. So seven years to be exact, but still, you know, yeah, it, just, it just pains me to see your rivals winning the title. Right. Um, so I think the, the biggest take, one of the, the bigger takeaways is that, like you said, this team is so dominant that yeah. um, they beat they. It, they have the record of most games to spare. Well, yeah, seven games. Seven games to spare. The previous record was set by both Manchester teams at five games. Yep. So, you know, like you said, this Liverpool team is very dominant. It's, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people are going to be saying, hey, this COVID situation, you know, aided yeah, them sure. or helped them or whatever. 
they're going to have an asterisk next to that title win of 19, 19-20. You know, they're going to have that, hey, they won the title, but the XYZ happened, which was the coronavirus situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so financially speaking, they're doing pretty well. They are. They, 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 since they won the Premier League, they'll win all the prize money. All the sponsorship deals are going to be pouring in. Um, like we covered before, uh, Nike already has a uh, shirt deal with them. Yeah, which was Nike's going to be, they're going to customize or put like a logo Premier League, you know, because it's been like well, 30 years. I think, I think there's still New Balance because of coronavirus. I think they ended up saying we're going to, we're going to stay with New Balance until whenever the season finishes. Yeah, I think that's the whole ordeal because I even saw on like on a social media post that um, there was a post celebrating Liverpool's victory and New Balance, their social media um, account, you know, was like applauding and like, yes, the champions, all that funny shit. So I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I guess they're trying to wrap in as much money as they can and probably get like last minute Liverpool jerseys for, you know, the title. And, and you know what's interesting is since there's still there's still new balance, you think they would manufacture more jerseys if possible? Because again, we're in, and we're in the middle of coronavirus. You know, yeah, what well. factories are probably either shut down or very limited activity. Mm-hmm. That, that's like one of my questions: is like, all right, are, will they capitalize on this, knowing that they still have seven game days worth of season for them to squeeze out? Because technically the season's not done yet. Yeah, not, yeah, because it's still a top four race, and that's a big thing going on. As other than like Liverpool winning the title, and not even a top four because we still don't know if City are going to be in the Champions League next year. So yeah. all in all, that can that can potentially be a top five race. I think. Given- I think the the court decision was going to be done on uh, the end of July. It could be, but I think the Premier League's still going to finish before then. So it's it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks going on, well, going forward, because there's still a lot of games to be played with. And, you know, City still has... There's seven games to be played? Yeah, seven games. Well, then it's not going to be, it's not going to be done by the end of July, assuming that they have to play twice a week. Mm, it could be. I don't know, because the schedule's been very, it's been very different now, because... Like you said, they're playing twice a week. So you Are know, they playing twice a week? Essentially, yeah, because United just played um, last Friday, and then they just played yesterday on Wednesday. So that's within the week, and they play again. Well, and the other thing, too, I forgot now. I think it may go past July because um, the FA Cup is back this week. So a lot of the FA Cup fixtures are going to be going on during this weekend. Right, so they, still, they definitely still have to uh... – and the FA Cup is still like in like I'm not the infancy stages, but I think um, thirty two or sixty one of those rounds. Oh, they're, so, they're still right because the coronavirus happened in March. Yeah, and the FA and it's a long tournament FA FA Cup because you know you got everyone their moms playing from the English sides. So once that concludes, I feel like that's gonna be um, it's gonna be an interesting way to see how it ends because that's another tournament that. Anybody can win, given how the layoffs happen and everything. Right. And I think now that you mentioned FA Cup, you know, I think the championship and League One, League Two begin uh, fun- functioning again, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yeah, but and not even that. The French league is starting to get um, returned as well. Neymar and company from PSG are starting training. They're starting to train. They have the season hasn't started. Start. No, no, no. But doesn't think because they're still in Champions League. So I was like, they have to you know get their shit together and start like, to training back. again. They have about a month's time to get in shape, which I think, I think for professional athletes is enough time to get into game shape. Um, you know, just to recap what we said last week, it's you're either going to be, you know, fresh or you're going to be rusty. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those <laughs> rusty. <laughs> no, we'll see. I mean, I, I think I think they're going to be more fresh, honestly, because I think uh, Mbappe and Neymar definitely know what's at stake. Mm-hmm. But uh, All right. Anything else touching the Premier League? I saw a lot of everybody congratulated Liverpool. All the social media team. Everybody except Manchester United. <laughs> I did see City. I saw Tottenham. Uh, I saw Chelsea. I'm sure Arsenal put something out. <laughs> Definitely Arsenal has to congratulate them because they they would have lost their invincible uh, title. Yeah, definitely. They were close too, and that's a scary thing. They were really close except, you know, um, thanks to – um, what's it, City? City and um, Watford. Watford. Uh, yeah, Watford beat them. So you know, with those two losses, obviously ended their streak of like game, consecutive games in a row that they won within the Premier League. So it, it's interesting too, and I think they might actually. They have, I think they have the potential to break the record that City did a couple of years ago, over 100 points. Yeah, they probably they probably do have the potential to beat the points, but eh, no one cares so much about the points. Yeah, I think now since they won the title, I don't think they're gonna take it as competitively as they. They're out of the Champions League. I don't. I think they're out of FA Cup too. So that's pretty much it for them. They might be. I think they are out of FA Cup. All right, Adrian. Anything else you want to add on club level soccer or Premier League? Um, as of now, no. But I love the comp. I love Premier League back. I think when we last recorded, we were just starting to get the whiff of, like, Premier League returning as long with Serie A. And I'm just grateful that we have the leagues back during the summer because, granted, you know, during this time, it's supposed to be, like, the international tournaments, the Euro, and the Copa America is supposed to be on. But we had now club soccer, which is a good substitute. I'm not complaining. And just hope – and MLS, with their tournament, is going to be really intriguing. I should be on the lookout for that. It's going to kick off in two, three weeks, so – Definitely another thing to look out for. But MLS is starting mid-July, right? Yeah, July 11th, I believe. But now that we're talking about, like, tournaments and all that, um, another breaking news that we we were mentioning about is the Women's World Cup. The upcoming World Cup in 2023 is supposed to be a battle between Colombia and Australia along with New Zealand. They're, you know, sharing it, like, what um, I think was – uh, I'm trying to remember pretty much what the USA, Mexico, and Canada are doing for 2026. Joint it all together. So yeah, the gist of it is the uh, Colombia and Australia, New Zealand had a joint bid to host the uh, FIFA 2023 World Cup, and the announcement, the voting concluded today, and unfortunately, they awarded the tournament to uh, Australia and New Zealand, which yep. is I'm not. As a Colombian, I'm not bitter that Australia and New Zealand got it. Uh, Well-deserved, you know. Uh, if we're talking about the issue of women's 
right and and uh, the place in the world where women are. Mind you, me and you are not experts on this issue, but I'd say that Australia and New Zealand are more progressive in the matter than Colombia or Latin America. Now, Colombia and Latin America as a whole, a whole I think, not, without being biased, Colombia has made the most progress, but there is a movement going on in Latin America to give women's more rights, to respect women's autonomy and, and uh, all the things that encompass uh, feminism and all that stuff. Um, Colombia has had a pretty decent f- professional league for women going on. You know, they, they send, they have a couple players also playing in Europe. And they definitely they get a lot of players going to play in uh, Division One soccer in the United States. Um, regarding Division One soccer, when we were at St. John's, I'm pretty sure there there was a player at the St. John's women's team that she was called up for the Ecuadorian national team to play in the World Cup or, or to qualify. I think one of the qualifying games for the World Cup mm-hmm. 2015 was Canada. Yeah, it was a Canada, I believe. Canada, the USA won that one. 2011 was, do you remember where 2011 2011 was Japan? Well, I know they won it. Japan won, beat the United States. I just don't remember where 2011 was posted. Yeah. I think it was Germany. All right. European. (laughs) All in all, you know, Colombia lost this bid. So, you know, FIFA is big big thing is to grow the women's game correct like you know this is something that they've always talked about yeah because there's well in all actuality they're starting to take it serious now because they could see the, the money that's coming in with all the advertisements and everything that's going on with women rights i feel like it's perfect time for fifa to be like hey we could actually make some money off of this right so there you go and, and like you say everything is about money but you know let's take the money to the side Let's just say that they're really about their statement and, you know, the progression of women's rights. Let's see. <laughs> right, the progression of the women's game. And again, this is not a knock to New Zealand or Australia, but the, the status of women in those, con- those two countries, you know, they're, more, they're better off than they are in Latin America. Having a FIFA Women's World Cup in Latin America would be much more impactful for it definitely would for football in general and for for uh, women's rights and feminism, you know, you're you're giving you know Latin America. You could say Latin America and Europe. Who loves the game more? You know, that's you know it's, that's it's, a debate that could go for days. Yeah, that's a debate that could go for right. But Latin America is the the world's hot zone. For, for football, to not give them a World Cup yet, to not give Latin America a World Cup yet, it, it, you're, you're, going, you're backwards. It's, it's, it's ridiculous because, again, you go back to FEMA's statement, we want to help grow the world's game. Okay, you're gonna, people would say, oh, but Australia and New Zealand doesn't have a World Cup. Right, but now let's look at it in a cultural aspect. Australia and New Zealand are more similar to Europe. You know they are white. Without without trying to be in, without trying to talk about race, they are white. Their culture is more in par with the European culture. You know, so when they when something happens in Europe, they identify with it. 
Yep. But when the Women's World Cup was already in Europe, I'm pretty sure it was Germany, you know, they identify with it. That's why they have the, the progressive rights for women because they identify with what Europe does. And not yeah. to say, mm-hmm. sorry, sorry to cut you off, but not to say that, that Australia and New Zealand aren't independent of, of Europe, but there's a connection there. Now, mind you, Latin America doesn't have that connection with Europe. Latin America has not had a FIFA Women's World Cup. Mexico has not had a FIFA Women's World Cup. We've had World Cups, Men's World Cup, but now the next step is to have the FIFA, the Women's FIFA World Cup. No, I hear you. I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, There's a lot of differences in regards to how developed to like parts of Latin America compared to like Australia and like that part of the world. Um, I do believe that if Colombia was given, you know, one, you know, the rights to host the tournament, it would have been a game changer, especially for not just Latin America, but just for like a lot of kids, especially little girls who can see a lot of players who they've never seen or heard of before and be like, hey, they're playing, you know, right there. It's in my hometown, especially in Colombia. I feel like that would have been a great um, like spark to like their, you know, the amount of people who want to vast or, you know, get more influence into the world of soccer because it is growing and the women's game is just getting stronger and, you know, much, it can, it has the potential to be just as on par with the men's if done right. So I do believe that, you know, it, it, it sucks that Columbia didn't win it. And, you know, and it's crazy because I was telling you before we went live that essentially there's 35 members who get to vote on this. And obviously, they're all broken down to each region. Each region has, like, their certain allocated amount of um, representatives, and they, you know, they accumulate up to 35. So, obviously, Australia had, you know, they voted for themselves. And with the other organizations out there in Asia, Asian Federation, Oceania, they obviously voted for Australia because they're, like, the neighbors. And in regards to um, Colombia, um, UEFA actually you know gave them votes they voted for them because they was like hey you know what we'll go with this let's try colombia something different and and, that, and obviously comembo because you know it's where the soccer is one thing i was disappointed is Concacaf though our friends here in the united states and all the, the neighboring countries actually voted for australia which and i told you too that um sunil gulati voted for australia for a reason i don't know maybe just to give more money up his ass um and africa as well i think a majority of them went for um australia as well so you know it kind of sucks and that's the way it is you know the voting procedures but i feel like maybe you know hopefully this is a wake-up call or maybe you know colombia should not give up yet because there's still a lot more world cups coming through maybe 2027 or further down the future this is i mean this won't be the end of it uh but you know regarding the Concacaf thing it's like you know, we've talked about this in previous episodes where CONCACAF is, is trying to fight Commonwealth for the rights for the Copa America. Yeah. And I think, was it earlier this, this year or... Last year, I think. Last year, in the middle of the year, whatever, that they were arguing about who can host the, the Copa America. And the only reason is because CONCACAF wants that because it's a cash cow. You know, and Commonwealth did not budge, which rightfully so. It's not their tournament. You know, if if Concacaf wants something to do with Copa America, they have to go buy what Commonwealth does because that's our tournament. You know, and I genuinely believe that 
the CONCACAF voted as a block to give Australia the tournament just to spite Commonwealth because they know that if Commonwealth gets this tournament, they're going to make more money. And, you know, if we, if we break it down to numbers, the United States has a lot of Latin American population. When, you know, if the tournament is host in a Latin American country, the people in the United States, the Latin Americans in the United States are going to take more interest in that tournament. You know, you would agree with me with that because, like, I'm, I'm Mexican, right? I'm in the United States. I normally don't watch the Women's World Cup, but it's being played in a Latin American country. Okay, I'm Mexican. I can relate to Colombians. I can relate to Argentinians. We speak the same language. I don't relate as much similar to... Similar cultures and everything that goes along with right. it. We have the, the similar... It's a similar culture. So the interest is going to go way down. That means TV revenue is not going to be as high. Sponsorship revenue is not going to be as high. Jersey sales aren't going to be as high. Mm-hmm. You know, but CONCACAF honestly only did this to spike Common Bowl or they got paid off. And you, you mentioned Africa. Okay, Africa voted for Australia. Well, Africa, you know, I, I can't see them favoring one nation over, over the other. You know, I'd say I'd say Africa's just closer to South America, but that's about it. Um, so again, it's like Concacaf just 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 wanted to mess with everybody, and I think it was just pettiness on Concacaf's end, to be honest. I think it was pettiness. It is because you know the whole ordeal with um, Copa America going south, and they just couldn't reach a deal. I think they were just like, "Screw you guys!" You know what? No, we'll vote for the other guys. But now going forward, though, even thinking about it too, like from our side of the region, is since it's going to be in Australia, what's how are these games even going to be played? Well, that again, Concacaf, it would have been in the same time zone. One exactly. Like we would have games starting because we're recording not eight p.m. Be like this is prime time games. Right. right now in Australia, it should be eight a.m. Yeah, it would work. It would work. The time. The timeline isn't that bad. But <laughs> well, I mean, for, for Americans. <coughs> I think, yeah, I think we'll get a lot of early morning games, similar to the last World Cup. Um, it was in Russia. And there was, like, a lot of, like, 8 a.m. games that were featured. So, more or less, maybe that region, a time, or even 7 a.m., which is crazy. Like, I'll get up for 7 a.m. for Manchester United. But just to see a, a World Cup game that early as well, especially for teams that I'm not really that invested in, it's kind of tough to influence me and motivate me, you know, just to get up that early. That's just me personally. 100%. No, you're right. I think, I think that, that sentiment is shared by a lot of people here. But if you had the game at 8 p.m., majority exactly. people already on their couch watching TV, ah, it's soccer. Who cares if it's women's soccer? It's soccer. They're going to watch it. Yeah. They're going to be interested. The, the, the kids, you know, it's a summer tournament, so the kids are going to be out of school, hopefully. You know, they'll watch it, but it's a, lot, it's a lot easier for a kid to say, hey, I want to see what mommy and daddy are watching, then I'm just going to tune into soccer on my own. So, it, again, it, it spites us. And the last, the last point I want to make, and, you know, they had FIFA has always a committee to review the country, to review the stadiums, to review this X, Y, Z. 
out of the bidding nations, I think there was another nation that Japan was a bidding nation as well, but they withdrew. But yeah, I think they did because it's it that's something I heard about in the news as well. Colombia, Colombia actually ranked the lowest in, in the infrastructure of the stadium, which is okay, fair. You know, it's a developing nation; it doesn't have the resources that Australia, New Zealand, or Japan would have. Fair, but that that clearly doesn't impact its ability to host a tournament. Colombia has hosted the Copa America in two thousand one was going to host the Copa America 2020 and hosted a... Uh, the oh, yeah, you guys were supposed to host the Copa America. I just thought of that. <laughs> right. And we, were, we hosted the FIFA U20 World Cup in uh, 2011. We also, Colombia also bid for the 2014 World Cup, but withdrew in 2009, which left Brazil as the only candidate. Okay. But that time, the only issue was because Colombia was going through some Ter- political turmoil and unfortunately the domestic terrorism that goes on with the FARC and the guerrillas, that stuff, you know, that made FIFA uneasy about hosting the tournament. Day, but they never talked about the infrastructure. That wasn't, a- <coughs> sorry, that wasn't a problem. Now today, apparently the infrastructure is bad. Mind you, this, the majority of stadiums have been renovated or, or, or brand new because of the FIFA 20 World Cup. You mean Cup America? And the Copa America. Okay. So these stadiums are are modern, are new. They're not crumbling. And I also was gonna say because Colombia is a uh, it's a decent sized country, and I'm pretty sure you guys got your good amount of like stadiums, you know, throughout the region because obviously the professional teams to to, to host a tournament. Yeah. I mean, we, were, we were supposed to host the 1986 World Cup, but we Mexico too. That's why Mexico got it. I was going to say, yo, imagine Colombia hosting 86 turned whole. I mean, that the, the infrastructure was in place. Yo, Mar- Maradona would have had a party. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to say. So, but again, so, and, and, and like, I'm not the one to blame everything on race, but a lot of people say, well, it was a lot of racism involved. They didn't want the World Cup in a Hispanic country. It's like, all right, whatever the case may be, you know, if you put everything on paper, Colombia was definitely more than prepared to have this World Cup in Latin America, to have the first women's World Cup in Latin America, and it would have done, I think, amazingly for the women's game in Latin America since FIFA is pushing it. But congratulations to Australia. Congratulations to New Zealand. You know, they deserve it. They they have more progressive uh, – they've done more for women's rights and women's uh, life in those countries, so they much they deserve it as well. But, again, not a knock to them, more of knock to FIFA and CONCACAF. Yeah, I know. And as I was saying, like, granted, yeah, they won. And you, you can make an argument whether or not it was fair or square because I still feel like to this day, even though the corruption has supposedly been sorted out out of FIFA, I think it's still going on to this day. It, it, there, there probably is still corruption. If it's not, it's not as widespread, or it's very, very low, low key. On the low, on the low, low. That's what I think too, because you know it's just weird because seeing Concacaf vote vote off a fellow country that's nearby to them, near and dear to them, I, I baffles me. You know, and I'm kind of surprised too with Africa, just for the sheer fact. You know, it's just you know Colombia has like a lot of you know Afro Latino in there, so you know it's culturally you know pretty much culturally there essentially 
way more of a tie-in connection than there's, Australia. There's a big you relate more in South America. Yeah, exactly. And pretty much we like a lot of us, not not all the African nations, but a good amount of African nations, we all eat like the same food anyway. So it's like the culture's there. But hey, you know, it is what it is. But I I do see Colombia, or, or if not Colombia, definitely in Latin American country hosting the World Cup um, going forward, the Women's World Cup um, going forward. And, you know, what would you be your pick, if not Colombia in 2027, if you had an idea? If I had an idea, <clears throat> uh, you know, based on what the women's game is like in, in South America, I, I, I'd say Mexico. I think Mexico is probably – they have a very strong league. They have um, – their games would regularly turn out 20,000 fans. I think – uh, the America Chivas Clasico drew a, a sellout crowd for one of their games. So if you talk about that, it, I mean, yeah, I'd say Mexico. It's South America. You know, unfortunately, the situation for the feminist movement is not that good. Uh, Brazil has a very conservative yeah. dictator, I could say. In Argentina, they actually uh, recently voted against the rights for abortion for women. Women were very able or got got the bill, I think, to whatever the equivalent of the Senate or the Congress is. And they were very close to having legal abortion. And then, unfortunately, it got knocked down. Uh, and then in Chile, last I checked, they had just recently, very recently, turned uh, the women's game professional. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, because there's still a lot of American, Latin American countries that are still developing on that aspect, you know, that really haven't re treated women as the way they should be as equal to men, which is really not that hard to do. But that's the thing when you have politics and all this bullshit aside and a lot of people with their political agendas going on, which is why we're, you know, as a Latin American, I feel like we're ass fucking backwards in regards to this. And personally, I feel like change should be done, especially with the whole Black Lives Movement going on. Not just, you know, not just for everyone who is just people of color, but, you know, people who are being treated or who are oppressed, you know, use that anger and use that energy, you know, to revolt against the powers that may be, because this is a, ch this is a changing time in 2020, you know. Use that energy and hopefully we can see a more positive aspect going forward. And that's my message. 100%. Um, you know, the women's game is growing. And, you know, especially the times going, the times that are we are in now, you know, hopefully, like you said, everything for a positive change. And then, you know, this will carry on into football. Um, all right, Adrian, enough about, I guess, that topic. Any other thing we need to talk about? Yeah, one thing that came across, um, the USL. You know, since we're semi-soccer experts, we obviously love to talk about the big, you know, the bigger leagues. But, you know, not people, a lot of people give shine to USL and, like, the divisions below, in, you know, in regards to, like, what's going on with them. So the USL is, you know, the league below MLS. And what they're going to do is a similar structure in regards to their season. They're returning on July 11th, contrast to MLS. And since they have, like, a whole different teams and, like, different regions, like, with all the teams, because they're all scattered around the U.S. So it's divided into eight groups. You have five groups of four teams. 
and three groups of five teams. And all the groups are within their region. That's what I'm assuming. And starting then, and this actually goes all the way till October, October 2nd. So this is like a long ass World Cup type of ordeal. And I don't, I don't think even a World Cup, I would say more of a Champions League type of ordeal be more. within the USL because, you know, you're going for so much time. So this starts from July. And then after, you know, the, you know, all the teams play each other, the top two teams automatically advance. And then it goes into around the 16. And then after that, it's knockout. And from there, you determine a winner, which I feel like is interesting. And I, I, I got to remember how USL – broadcast i think they are on um, espn like plus they're on espn plus yep correct so that's that's another you know viable thing to get and espn plus is so, so dirt cheap it's only 5.99 so it's definitely something you should check out and support your local team because this is something that's not just the mls tournament you know it's the cool thing going on but usl is definitely something you see the new up-and-coming players who you may see in mls in a couple of years from now correct um, so, yeah, USL. So uh, the interesting thing about the very important about the USL is that, you know, they I don't think they operate operate on a franchise model there. All the teams are individually owned. So it's not like the league can dictate what's going on. They actually have to have a vote between the owners. You know, the league MLS said, hey, we're going to Orlando. And everybody's like, pack your bags. We're going to Orlando. It's a very interesting thing because when you when you have the MLS, you know you sit you share your resources. Yeah, you know that, that's the one thing that you can't really knock uh, American sports model is that in times of crisis, no one's gonna go under. Yep. So the problem with having owning your club is that you're 100 percent responsible for everything. You know, I'm sure people at the Philadelphia Union, they don't generate a lot of revenue, but they can count on the league to make sure they don't go bust. Yep. And that's, yeah, that's the only, I think that's one of the only positive things about MLS and like most of American sports is that they do take accountability and they, you know, all look out for each other to make sure no one, you know, get, goes bankrupt because I think if it was the other way around, a lot of teams would have gone bankrupt or like sold their rights by now. Correct. Yeah. So, um, but I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. I think they are individually owned. They might be franchises that like like the MLS. That I do have to double check. Um, but yeah. So it's going to be interesting. I think USL definitely needs to play. They the league as a whole has been generating a lot of steam, a lot of interest in the United States. You know, I don't know if they will ever surpass MLS, but they're definitely a viable second option. Of, of soccer or football in this country and I think it's very important for them to, to keep playing because they need to keep that interest alive they need to keep that momentum going yeah and that's the other thing too and you know USL has a new New York team our boys at Queensboro Queensborough FC but I, they don't debut till next year but it's still interesting to see how they form, they form under this because it's with, whole, with the whole COVID thing and their kickoff um, you know, they were starting, they were hitting it high. So, you know, I hope that they, you know, they still have their plans set up and everything is going good, you know, when the, when they start to kick off and have everything into fruition. Right, 100%. You know, um, it's going to be interesting what QBFC does. I mean, supposedly they're supposed to start playing in 2021. Yeah. You know, 
I will. So we'll see. Um, all right, Adrian, I'm out of ideas. Did I miss anything? Did we talk about anything? We essentially covered most of it. Um, as of now, we're just in the middle of like, we're still in the middle of the pandemic. And, but like I said earlier, we have soccer back. I'm happy Premier League is back, even though given the results today, um, it is what it is. But, you know, we have La Liga, Serie A back. I'm just, I'm just more curious to see how Champions League and um, the European competitions are going to take up because that's going to be really intriguing, especially with the whole setup now it's in Lisbon. And the Europa League is going to be held, I think, in Germany, if I remember correctly. So it's, it's definitely a, an interesting time. And, you know, we're just – and we just got in the – like, we just touched summer. So this is going to be in, a summer for the ages, granted – like I said, we were gonna supposed to get the Euros and Copa America, but it's gonna be pushed back to next year, which is actually not that bad co- coming to think about it because now we got all the clubs playing during the summer, and we got like the internet, like the domestic international tournaments next year. World Cup is literally two years away, so if everything falls into place, crazy as it may seem, it should it should be it should be a great summer. Yeah, it is. Adrian, um, that's it for me. Thank you guys for watching. Yes. All right, guys, have a good night. And as always, episode 32 will be up soon. Have a good night. Thank you guys for listening.